Man, gorgeous weather outside. Went golfing for the first time in the weekend. I'm in a mood today for some reason. I'm not sure why, but we have got some stories that 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 pushed a couple buttons on me. And you know what? I, I'm in a mood. So we're gonna get into it today. Got some controversial stories to touch on. Uh, some other things that could be an issue for the NHL, specifically in the Canadian division moving forward. You know what? I love it all. Bring it all on. Episode 59. Let's go. Thoughts Hockey Podcast, episode number 59. Welcome in. Hopefully you had yourself a good weekend. Uh, I went golfing for the first time on Saturday. I played uh, a little spot called Dutton Meadows. It's uh, a little south of London. Got to go a little uh, west. But shot 88, not too uh, not too shabby. Driver was a little off in the first couple holes, but started figuring it out. Touch was really, like, weirdly good. Like, in and around the greens, upwards of, like, I want to say, like, 50 yards or so. I actually had some pretty decent touch, but... Yeah, first round. I got another one coming up at a spot just outside of London, Ontario called Tarandawa. It is the hardest course I've ever played. It is the most unforgiving course I I have probably played. I'm trying to recall some courses. Otter Creek, a couple holes can get real tough. Lowville's very hilly. Yeah, Tarandawa, if you don't hit the fairway, there's it's not rough. It's just fescue. Left, right, doesn't matter. It's also one of the windiest golf courses I've ever played, but... I mean, starting off with the 88, I'm really, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to, uh, how I'm going to deal with it, but nevertheless, we got a lot to get to in the show today. I'm super excited because there's some stories to really get to one. I'm going to barely touch on cause it's, it's honestly not worth my time, but nevertheless should be a lot of fun. Instagram and Twitter at ST hockey podcast. If you follow along on Google podcasts, Apple podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, if you do want to, you know, if you don't have those bigger platforms and you listen to uh, anchor or, you know, anything a little bit smaller, uh, the link to all of the different platforms that you can stream this podcast on is up on my Instagram page, ST hockey podcast. So if you want to check it out uh, YouTube I'm about halfway there in terms of uploading episodes I promise you at some point I will be caught up uh, if you missed the interview with me, uh, myself and Jojo Mason on Friday is a great interview it's the first time really in the podcast that you know we get into a little bit of explicit language some swearing but absolute blast went a lot deeper than I thought we were going to we touched on the the injustices of, of race within not just sports, but within, you know, the world. Uh, we touch on, you know, uh, women in hockey a little bit too. We really get deep. And, uh, you know, I really, I really appreciated the fact that we were able to get that deep. So make sure you go check out that full interview on the last episode of the podcast. If you want to watch the video that is uploaded on the second thoughts, hockey podcast, YouTube page, more articles coming out. I've got one right now in the works for the hockey writers involved the Vancouver Canucks. Look at that. I know they lost last night, but eight, three and one in the last 12 games they're kind of creeping towards a playoff spot Calgary lost again like they got a chance so new article about that should be coming out in the next day or two so uh, be on the lookout some things we're going to get to today the Habs and Oilers hit with the first COVID issue in the North Division how it's going to affect the rest of the season Uh, the Flames are Bush League they're a Bush League team and I'm, I'm over it so I'm over that team I'm over their their little their little act, what they have going on. I'll talk about it if you missed it, by the way. Uh, Leafs, I don't know what everyone's talking about. They don't have a goalie controversy, in my opinion. We'll touch on that. And Patrick Marlowe wants to win. Surprise, surprise. But does anybody want him? 
Uh, we'll get to all that. So the first story I, I want to really touch on before we get into it. So last night, Vegas Golden Knights beat up on the St. Louis Blues. The Blues have been just a nightmare in terms of betting this year. They've just, they've, they've killed me. Every time I bet on them, they lose. Every time I bet against them, they win. It's awful. Last night, they lose 5-1 to the Vegas Golden Knights. Jordan Biddington's a net. And Biddington already this year was faking, he got pulled in a game against the San Jose Sharks, was skating around, was like threatening or like fake punching guys, right? Trying to be this whole tough guy persona. Yesterday, Vegas scores a goal in the third period. Bennington is doing his little lap or whatever he does, and he fakes like he's going to take a two-handed stick and smack in the head the Vegas Golden Knight player that scored the goal. And I'm, I'm kind of over his little antics. Because he just signed this nice little cushiony little deal. He's going to make like $6 million a year for the next five years or six years or whatever the case may be. And this is now the second time that he's acted out in the most childish way I've ever seen a goaltender. Like as a goaltender, you're supposed to control your emotions. And you remember in his rookie year in the playoffs, he talked about how he doesn't get nervous. He doesn't get emotional. He's locked in. He's focused. And for that playoff run, he was. But this year, he has unraveled and been this wannabe tough guy that, like, you're six foot one, 170. Like, you're my size. I, there are guys, guys in the NHL average, like, six one, six two, 200 pounds. Who are you trying to intimidate here? You're the least intimidating figure on your team alone, and you're getting shell-shocked. I, I want to look at his numbers right now because you got to think, okay, maybe he's just having a rough time, but he's actually been really good and the times that he gets shelled, right, he takes it out. His number this year, these numbers this year, 23 starts, he's 10-8-4, so really 10-12. and 12. He's got a losing record as a starting goaltender in the NHL this year. He has a 2-8-3 goals against and a 9-0-5 save percentage. That's not even remotely near the top of the league. And he gets to beat up on teams like the San Jose Sharks, who he can't even beat sometimes, though he just did a couple of days ago. He gave up one goal. He, get, he gets to beat up on teams like the Anaheim Ducks. But he lost three straight games at one point to the Kings and Sharks. One of those games, the Sharks shelled him. He gets to beat up on teams like Arizona. And yeah, he is still 10-8-4 and four with those numbers. I don't know who you're trying to intimidate, buddy, but like you need to calm it down. You need to get your emotions in check because you are again, he's got his cushiony little deal now. I'd love to see what happens to him moving forward because remember, he blew up in the bubble last year. Like he was god awful in the bubble. Blues got swept in the first round or swept or they lost in like five games to Vancouver. He was god-awful, and this year he's not been much better, and he signs this nice cushiony deal, and now he's threatening players. He's threatening to, to take two-handed goalie stick swings at guys' heads, faking blockering other guys. Like, you're 6'1", 174. Like, relax. Calm down. Worry about keeping the puck out of your net and not about trying to clock someone while they're not looking because I'm telling you, if they do look and they see that, you're not going to be on the ice for much longer because they will put you on your you-know-what so fast. As a goaltender, there's a reason that you're not the one getting in brawls and fights and all that stuff because your job is to keep the puck out of the net. And this year, you've been horrible at it. So stop taking it out on everyone else. Take it out on yourself. 
because you haven't been good enough this year. And right now, if that contract started, you do not live up to it. $6 million goalie doesn't do that. Anyways, told you I was in a mood today. Um, so it finally happened. Moving on to the next story here. Last night's matchup between the Montreal Canadiens and Edmonton Oilers was postponed by the NHL. The league made the decision after Montreal placed forwards Jesperi Kocktin-Yemi and Joel Armia on the NHL's COVID-19 protocol list earlier yesterday. The move marks the very first postponement this season for a game in the North Division. Now, the Canadians and Oilers are set to play a three-game series this week in Montreal. We're still unclear as to whether the games, the rest of the games in that series will be affected or not. So it's still unclear at this point, but it's not good news for the North Division. And here's why. The worst part, the really kind of the North Division, I mean, at least here in Canada, has been one of the more talked about divisions because you're getting some of the top talents and some of the best rivalries all kind of put together. You're also creating new rivalries with, you know, McDavid and Matthews playing 10 times and, you know, the Flames taking on the... Uh, taking on the Habs and the, the Canucks and Habs and Trafoli facing them. And, you know, you've got all these cross, you know, cross matchups where normally teams in the East and West don't play this amount of games together. But the one really great thing going for them was the fact that during this COVID-19 protocol season, the North Division hasn't had to deal with COVID-19 protocols and postponements. That is until now. And I know this was going on in the United States, but this was happening in the States literally before the season started. If you remember, Tampa Bay had to shut down their training camps. The Panthers had to shut down their training camps. Dallas didn't play a game until like a week and a half after the season actually started. So the state you knew it was going to affect every other team in, in the NHL outside of the North Division. But the question was, could the Canadian division stay clean all year? It was yes up until yesterday, where now the answer is no. Because what this does is it now jeopardizes this entire division. And yes, same thing in the States, but I think with the Canadian division, it's a little bit different because it's now an entire country, right? It's not just your, because every other division, they're all teams in the States, but this is the only division and it's all Canadian teams. It will be interesting to see how we've seen how they handle it in the United States and for certain organizations, we haven't had to see it handled so far in the North Division and in Canada. They did a really good job with the bubbles coming to Canada this past year. And, you know, and I, you got to give them credit. They have done an incredible job. This is the first time a game was affected due to COVID-19. So maybe they're able to keep it under wraps. Maybe they are able to contain it to a certain extent. Maybe even they be able to make up these games within the next two weeks so that, you know, you don't have to play them later on in the season. But I really hope it doesn't affect the rest of the division because that was the one thing you could count on was when a Canadian game was on, whether it was Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver, didn't matter. They were playing their game. There was no worry about a game being postponed or players getting exposed to COVID-19. But it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see how, how they handle this, how the league handles it, how Canada handles it, how every other team handles it. Like, do other games get postponed because they're like, ah, we, can't play, we can't play Montreal for now two weeks because they've been exposed. So they got to go on the, the, the COVID-19 protocol list. So players are going to continuously get tested. We'll see how it all plays out, but ah, finally happened. I guess it was bound to happen. You just hoped it wouldn't happen, 
But uh, yeah, Habs Oilers, stay tuned to see if those games will will get played this week or if they all all three games get moved and they give both teams kind of time to to figure it out, get healthy, get you know cleared, ready to play, and then come back into action for their next series. We'll stay in the Canadian division here because this is the story that I really wanted to get to. So last night, Ottawa Senators are playing their like fourth or fifth goaltender of the year, a rookie of all things too. They play goaltender Philip Gustafson, right? Going in against Calgary Flames. Calgary Flames just coming off a loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? They're like four and two under under Daryl Sutter, looking like a better team, a little bit closer of a, a tight knit group, playing a little bit better systems. Last night, Ottawa goes out and beats the Calgary Flames two to one. Philip Gustafson, the goaltender, makes thirty five saves. Right, first ever start, first ever win. It's a big milestone. Huge milestone, also considered on the fact that Ottawa has not really been the epitome of success this year. They're 10, 20, and 3 on the year. After the game, teammate Brady Kachuk goes to retrieve the game puck for Forsberg to commemorate the milestone. It's his first game, first win. As he was going, Calgary Flames defenseman Rasmus Anderson then seamlessly picks up the puck, goes to skate off the ice with it before Kachuk and the referee stop him and tell him to hand it over. They're calling Anderson out as he was trying to leave the ice with the puck. He then throws it back into the Calgary end. Noah Hannafin steps in. He's trying to separate, trying to make it seem like it's Kachuk's fault. And then at the end of it, as Brady's just about to go get it, his brother Matthew then whips it against the wall, technically going towards the Calgary area, but not really. This is Bush League. Like that is in a league where there is so much respect and class. Like it's the it's one of the only leagues that does an entire line handshake after a game. Yes, you see in football after the games, the players all come together and they shake hands and they chat and all that. And same thing in the NBA. But after a playoff win, they go in lines and they give each other handshakes because they respect one another as competitors and as individuals. The Flames vastly outplayed Ottawa, but Gustafson turned aside 35 of 36 shots. This is Bush League. This is childish, and it's not even the first incident, right? Matthew Kachuk is known as one of the more hated, agitating players who can still play, but he gets under a lot of guys' skins. And for the North Division, a lot of teams that are normally in the Eastern Conference are figuring it out this year. This year, Toronto tried to get into his head, flipped the puck over at him, freaked him out a little bit, got him all upset. Right? I remember, I, I, I've always, like, the Leafs have been notoriously one of the more, if not most, hated Canadian team. Whether it's due to the fan base, the media, the popularity, the fact that everyone's always talking about them, the money that they have, they can never win, yada, yada, yada. Calgary's becoming the most hated team due to childish acts like this. And I saw people online saying, calm down. He gave him the puck back eventually. 
Oh, relax. You know, it's just part of the game. At no point is this part of the game. Like, if you're saying that, you're an idiot. Like, you're an idiot. This is a guy's very first start. If you've ever played hockey or ever hit a milestone, you work your ass off your entire life to get to the National Hockey League. You get your first ever start on the last place team in the conference. You're playing a team who's vying for a playoff spot. You get heavily outplayed, heavily outshot, and you still win the game. And the other team is so pissed off, they're so upset, they're so petty about it, that they try to take the puck away from you. It's like a bully, right? It's like a bully when something doesn't go their way and they flip the desk over because they're like, oh, screw you anyways, I don't even care. It's petty because you lost. Because you lost to a team that going into the game had nine wins. And was the laughing, to an extent, the laughing stock of the division, right? They were the they were the stepping stone. You get to play Ottawa two-game series, three-game series, beautiful. You're going to come away with two to three points or two or three wins. Easy. Grow up. You know what's even worse about this, too, is the fact that, like, I used to be a bit of a Flames fan back in, like, 2003, 2004 when they made that cup run. And they had like Jerome McGinla and they got Mika Kippersoff from the San Jose Sharks and they got Alex Tangay from the Colorado Avalanche and Matthew Lombardi and right. Like they had, they had such a likable team that year and they ended up losing to Tampa. And for a while I, I had a soft spot for the flames. I did right. That team, I Mika Kippersoff's one of my favorite goaltenders of all time. Jerome McGinla is an icon in some of the most incredible and historic moments in NHL history. But honestly, I'm off of it now. I, 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 I thought it was a joke. And maybe you're listening and maybe you didn't think it was that bad. But especially me as a goalie growing up and knowing, right, getting my first shutout in junior, getting my first win in junior, getting to keep that puck, right? I just think this was so childish and so petty. And it just bothered me so much. Like... I, I I even pick Calgary to make the playoffs and they're sitting outside. I hope they not only not make the playoffs, I hope their entire franchise goes into a complete rebuild. I'm dead serious. Like, you can think I'm joking right now, but I am dead serious. What a Bush League move. I hope they get, I hope they get leapt by Ottawa in the standings. Get a lottery pick and then lose it. Like, that's that's what you deserve. I hope Kachuk asks for $12 million a year. I hope he gets it, and it it handicaps this franchise from ever getting better. Good on Forsberg. Good on the Ottawa Senators. Congratulations on your first win, and I am so glad it happened against the Flames. Good for you, Forsberg. Good for Ottawa. Seriously. Good for you guys making the most of this year, which expectations were quite lofty, and you have been playing hard, working your tails off, you get a little moment like that, good on you. Hope Calgary goes into a little bit of a tailspin after that. What a joke. Uh, let's move on here. And San Jose, another team that has, you know, had a little bit of a rougher season. Definitely not gone the way they uh, planned it. And that includes forward Patrick Marlowe. This is his third stint now with San Jose. He is the franchise's leader in games played, goals, points, 
And he's almost at that point of passing Gordie Howe for the most games played ever in the history of the NHL. And he is open to being traded ahead of the April 12th deadline to make another run at the Stanley Cup. He said, I wouldn't actively maybe look for it, but if it happens or it does come or a team wants me, that's something you have to seriously consider. Obviously, it's his goal to win a Stanley Cup. I have got nothing but respect for a guy like Patrick Marlowe, right? Signed a, a one-year, $700,000 deal past this offseason. Uh, you know, he had been traded to Pittsburgh last year. He had gone to uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs on that three-year deal. He's 41 years of age. So far this season, he has just one goal and five points in 29 games. I, I, I love, I've always loved that story of a guy going to a team to win a cup. But I feel like it's past. Marlowe had it. He had it with the Toronto Maple Leafs when he signed that three-year deal at like 37 or 38 years of age. Right? And he signed that three years, like big contract too. He was like six and a half million or $6.75 million. And, and he was good for a couple years. And then he right, tailed off. And that's, it's what happens. It is what happens, you know, as you get older. This game is a young man's game. The best players in the world are 23 McDavid, Matthews, Shifley, McKinnon. All these guys are 25 and under. Look at all the defensemen. Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Mira Heiskanen. All these stud defensemen, all these stud players are all kids. The league is run by kids now. Now, normally, if Marlowe in 29 games had like even like 12 points, right? He was sitting at like five goals and seven assists on the year in 29 games. He's playing about 13, 14 minutes a night. But it's just, I, unfortunately, I have to say it. I don't think a team wants you. I don't think a team is going to make that trade. Now, again, he just said, if something comes of it, and if somebody requests for me, obviously. But I thought the reason he went back to San Jose, go live in the nice weather, Go go play one more season. Go break Gordie Howe's record. Go play a swan song of a final season. Retire a shark, the team that drafted you, the team that you have records for across almost every category. Go beat an NHL record. Retire happily. You did give it a shot a couple times going to Pittsburgh and Toronto trying to win a cup. It just didn't pan out that way. I would I would love to see it. Again, Toronto fan here, Joe Thornton, if he can lift the cup, Jason Spezza, if he can lift the cup, how great that would be to watch, right? These are three of the players that you want to win a cup more than anyone, right? Henrik Lundqvist was another one. Hopefully he can come back and do it. Ovechkin was one for a while, but he wasn't up there in age. Right, but those these are the guys that have given so much to the game, so much personality, have done... You can't talk about the NHL without talking about Patrick Marlowe or uh, Joe Thornton, right? But they just they haven't been able to get that eluded Stanley Cup. And as tough as it is, you know, I, I know the expectations were higher in San Jose, but sometimes you just got to know when, when to be like, you know what, I had my opportunity. I had my shot with Toronto, even Pittsburgh. I got to play with Sid and Gino. Unfortunately, I, I, I just, I don't think that's going to happen. You also now add in a whole quarantine and COVID effect to it. And especially a Canadian team. 
I don't know. I, I don't see that. Unless the team's going to give, like, you know what? We'll give a seventh. We could always use a depth guy, a veteran presence, like a Patty Marlowe or something. But if it's anything more than that, I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. We'll see at this point. But honestly, at this, it, it just gets difficult to watch sometimes. Right? When a guy just continued. Like, it got tough for a while. After Jerome McGinley had that, you know, he had a shot with, I think it was like Pittsburgh. It was the first year. It was either Boston or Pittsburgh you went to. And as much as you hated it, because those teams were like in their primes. You're like, man, it'd be so cool to see Iggy win a cup. And then he was going to like, he went back to Calgary for a bit. And then he went to Colorado. And you're like, all right, like, this is over. Like, stop. You just, you're trying too hard at this point. Kind of the same thing. You know, you had your chances. Again, if a team wants to throw a seventh round pick for him, say you're going to be playing exclusively on the fourth line, bring some energy, bring some veteran presence. But I don't know. Your fourth line now has got to be energy guys, physical guys, guys that hit, guys that can change the momentum of the game. You know, it's it's tough to find a spot for for a guy like that. I mean, you could look at a franchise and, and maybe a team like Colorado would be like, you know what, we could use that. Or a team like Vegas w- would love to have that and there's a spot there, but I don't know. It's tough to see him go to a Canadian team. We'll see how it transpires. Maybe he does get another shot, but unless you're only giving up a seventh for him, I I, I, I think this is, this is what we'll see of Patty Marlowe at the end of the year. I think we'll see him play it out in San Jose. And we'll see him hopefully break Gordie Howe's record and retire a San Jose Shark. That's just how I'm, uh, that's just how I see it over here. And uh, last thing we'll get to here, a little bit of a shorter episode today, I guess. Uh, So Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs were on a one in six stretch. They were one in six over a seven game stretch heading into Saturday night's game against the Calgary Flames. This was the return of backup goaltender Jack Campbell. Came back from an injury. Hadn't played a game since February. Backstopped the Leafs to a 2-0 victory. His second technically consecutive shutout going back to his last start. And people are talking about, is there a goalie controversy? You know, Jack Campbell's played well. And, you know, Freddie's supposed to be the guy. I'm here to tell you there's no controversy. There's no controversy because you cannot start anyone but Jack Campbell right now in Toronto's net. And I called it. I called it. I called it a week ago on this show. I called it a week ago. I said, when he comes back and if he gets a win and Freddie continues to play that he was, you have no choice if you are the Toronto Maple Leafs brass or coaching staff, but to give him the net. I said him coming back would give him a boost. And I'm not saying that he is now the guy, but I said, you've got you've to gotta give him the net and see how he does. You have to. Friday night, Toronto lost 4-3 to Calgary. I think they were down like 4-2 or something like that. At one point, the game was 3-2 Calgary. It might have been 3-2 after the first or like 3-2 early in the second period. The high danger scoring chances were 8 nothing Toronto. And yet somehow they were still losing that game. The shots were 12-7 Toronto. And Frederick Anderson had given up three goals and seven shots. He finished the game with four goals against on 18 shots. This level of confidence 
an eye test you just you just get from certain players. Like you don't need to be a rocket scientist to be like, wow, McDavid's gross. Like he's just different than others. When you watch some guys shoot the puck, like Austin Matthews, you're like, that's no one else does that. When you watch Ovechkin take one timers from that spot, you think it looks so easy. And then you watch other players do it and they don't score. And you're like, oh, like maybe he's actually really good at this. He just makes it look effortless. When you watch a goaltender play, right? Sometimes guys get into certain grooves. They get, they're they're confident. They're at the top of their crease. They cut down the angle really well. They don't give up a lot of rebounds. Positionally, they're in great spots, right? Pucks that are getting deflected. They're still getting a body part on. You're watching your team getting goalied. And you're like, we can't, we, got, we can't buy a goal right now. Toronto was the other way around. Jack Campbell looks energetic, confident, resilient, Freddie looks old, slow, tired, and maybe hurt, sure. But if it's that badly affecting your game, don't play. But guys play hurt all the time. We have heard of, of injuries. Tyler Sagan last year, I, I, I remember, I, I gave him a little bit of crap. But we found out later that he was playing on a partially torn something that required surgery that he was going to be out five months Stories come out of guys like Zdeno Chara and Patrice Bergeron who had broken bones in their jaw and, uh, you know, they they partially torn you-know-whats and played through it. Ovechkin played on a broken foot. Like, guys play through injuries. I played through a partially torn, torn groin when I played junior for a month. I don't know if I was spectacular, but for the first three and a half weeks, or three weeks maybe, I, I kept I kept playing in junior hockey, right? If if you get hurt, you don't play. If you don't play, you don't get scouted. You don't you don't get scouted. You don't go anywhere. So you play through injury. And I played for a month straight. I played a month straight of games. I was starting every game for a month, despite playing on this. Guys play hurt. Toronto needs to ride Jack Campbell. See what they've got out of the guy, right? If if it's if the injury is that bad to Frederick Anderson, let him rest. Let him get better. But Campbell's back now. He's healthy. He's got another shutout. Let him play. And everyone's talking about, you know, he's never really had an opportunity. He's never, you know, he's never been given the workload. Can he handle it? He's never been given it. I've loved him. If you remember back at the World Junior Hockey Championships when he was there playing for Team USA, he was a brick wall. He was a nightmare to go against. And even when he was drafted by the Dallas Stars, he was never given that shot. I think they had like Miko Letnin and Marty Turco back then. Then he gets dealt to the LA Kings. Well, the LA Kings have, have Jonathan Quick. And this is when Quick wins two cups and a Con Smythe and a Vesna and never gets a chance. So I looked at his numbers. So the, the biggest stretch that he had was in the 2018-2019 season with the LA Kings. Right? He, he, played, he played in a total of 31 games. 25 starts. He was 10-14-1. But you remember, he came in relief in some games for Jonathan Quick. In 31 games... He had a save percentage of 928 and a goals against average of 2.3. In his overall time with the LA Kings, four years, played 57 games, started 49, had a save percentage of of 918 and a goals against average of 2.51. In 10 games with the Leafs, he's got a 934 save percentage and a 1.98 goals against average. He's 29. He's, this is as good as he'll probably get. 
he has he's in as good shape as can possibly be. Let him let him see. Let us see what he's got. Because in his total career, his total career numbers, 68 games played. He owns a career 919 save percentage and a 2.48 goals against average. I just broke down the numbers for you in his one one bulk season with the Kings, his four years as a King, his two years as a Leaf, his total numbers throughout his career. Give it. I don't understand why it's so difficult. Everyone's like, he's never had it before. Who knows if he can do it? So give it to him. You know that me. You know that TikTok thing that's going on where like the music drops in. It goes da na 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 na, and everyone's like, so do it, do it, see what happens. Give Campbell the net. Ride it out with him. Play the hot hand. What's the worst that could happen? He's playing as well as Frederick Anderson, who we can all agree with. He's playing. He's played horrible this year. You are not confident as a fan going into a game with Frederick Anderson as your starter. With Jack Campbell in the net, you're like, all right, we got a chance here. I, I know he's played four games. I know he has a little injury history. But let him play it out if he's healthy. See what he's got. Toronto is a couple days off. I think they play Thursday is their next game. I think it's against Ottawa even. Then they play again, I believe, on Saturday, and then they've got a two-game set again with the Flames. Let him, let him play it out. Because he doesn't look he doesn't look right. He's coming way out of his net for some shots. Everyone's talking about shots getting deflected by their own guys, and you know, pucks are hitting bodies. Pucks hit bodies Saturday night. The puck still ricocheted and hit Campbell. Why? Because positionally, he is in the right spot. Where if a puck deflects, you are there to get a body part on it to make the save. That's why you come out and challenge. That's why you come out and you cut the angle down. So if a puck gets redirected, your body is in a position where you can still make the save. It's the whole point. The only other guy I've ever witnessed who sits on his goal crease, who sits on the goal line and still makes saves is Henrik Lundqvist. It's unbelievable. I've never seen that. If you are ever trying to emulate a goalie growing up, don't emulate Henrik Lundqvist because you will not succeed. You need to come out of the net. You need to challenge. Play Jack. Play him. The worst case scenario is he's as good as Frederick Anderson. You go back to Freddie after a few games when he's better. Maybe he improves with health. But until play him. I, there's no other way I can. There's no other way I can explain it. You just have to play him. Leafs are confident in front of him. You don't even need great goaltending. He doesn't even need to be shut out every night. He needs to be not four goals on 18 shots. Like if you face 25 shots, give up two, three if anything, but give your team a chance to win. Like you can't go into a game out shooting a team 38 to 25 and lose 5-2. Like you just can't. That's what that's what's happened this year with Toronto and Frederick Anderson. You just need fine goaltending. I think Jack Campbell is going to give you fine goaltending. I think he's going to give you better than fine goaltending. 
I've been saying this for a while. I think he's a starting goalie. I do. I don't know how he's going to handle it consecutively over and over and over again playing 50 games. But we've never seen it because no one's given him a chance. All I'm saying is give him a chance because I think he can do it. If he stays healthy, I think he can do it. That's all I got to say on that matter today. But um, that, oh, oh, just a, um, we got a bit of a breaking news segment here. Uh, So the NHL, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There were some proposed changes to the NHL draft lottery. Source, this is from The Athletic. NHL draft, draft lottery changes have been approved. Source, the number of lottery picks will now be reduced from three to two. So interesting. So two picks are still going to be up for lottery. However, the changes that are made right now is that only two are going to be moved. Okay, so I'm going to read the entire I'm just going to read the article here cuz I I have the athletic. The NHL's board of governors approves changes to the draft lottery on Tuesday, reducing the number of picks involved in the lottery from 3 to 2 while restricting how many spots a team can jump with a lottery win. The reduction in lottery eligible picks from 3 to 2 will be implemented for the 2021 draft lottery and beyond. Other approved changes include restricted teams to a 10-spot jump with a lottery win and limited and limiting clubs to no more than two lottery wins in a five-year spam. Both of those changes will be implemented in the 2022 draft lottery and beyond. Under these changes, the team with the worst record cannot draft lower than three. So if we saw it, uh, you know, the Rangers obviously were a team that made the the bubble postseason last year, still won the lottery, still drafted Alexis Lafreniere. Ottawa, who had two top five spots, went three and five. The LA Kings drafted number two. But these are uh, very, very interesting. Now, there are some people like Scott Wheeler, who's one of the writers for The Athletic, answer the question, did the NHL get this right? He says, I don't love the solution. It makes it feel like the league restricted the outcomes of the lottery. Well, the problem is, is that the fact of the matter, what was the number that in the 10 years or nine years that the NHL has done this, the team that has finished in last place has picked overall just twice. So seven out of nine years, if you finish last, you are not picking first overall. And the two years, thank God, was McDavid and Matthews. Like, imagine if those if those drafts were swapped in a random... Like, what if Pittsburgh, after having a decade or 15 years of Crosby and Malcolm and Latang and Flurry, then got McDavid... How mad would you be? Those would be your top. You'd have three centers of Malcolm Crosby and McDavid. You've got to balance the league out to some degree. Yes, it restricts the point. But look at every other league in sports. If you finish last in the NFL, you pick first. Maybe does it it look like you're tanking a little bit? 
Maybe. Does it better not only your brand, but the league's brand of your organization moving forward? Absolutely. As long as you're putting together a roster that can play at the top level, they don't need to be the most talented team. But the year that Toronto drafted first overall in that lottery, that year, that first year with Coach Mike Babcock, The player they sent to the All-Star game was Leo Komarov, who had a career high that year, 20 goals. They were atrocious on paper, but they knew they were going to be. They lost a lot of very close games because talent prevailed. That was probably, as a Leaf fan, that was probably one of the best years to watch because there were no expectations. If you're a business and you say, listen, our prices have been skyrocketing. We're going to, we're going to cut a little bit of salary. We're going to take a bit of an off year. We're going to revamp. We're going to come back stronger next year. Your jobs are safe. You're going to get plenty of opportunity to prove yourself, but it's going to better yourselves as employers, employees, and it's going to better this company as a whole moving forward. That makes all the sense in the world to go through pain for one year to set yourself up for a rebuild and success for the coming years. Now, not every franchise does a quick turnaround like that, but you you, you do some, some research for a couple years first, figure out when the best time to do it is. Right? At some point, too, it gets fun watching. Like last year in the NFL, people were watching the Jets not because they wanted them to win, because they wanted to see if they would go 0-16. Because the quarterback that's available this year is supposed to be like this franchise-altering player. This guy, Trevor Lawrence, he's supposed to be like a Matthews. He's supposed to immediately transition into the NFL and be a game-changing player. And the Jets don't even get to pick him. Because they didn't finish last. Because they started winning. And now Jacksonville, because they finished last, gets to pick them. I'm all fine for giving every team an opportunity to not fully induce tanking. Sure. But having a restricted access to this just means that if you barely miss the playoffs and you're that one player shy, but you've already drafted well, you're just in that rebuild, and now you get another first overall pick in, you know, whether it's this, whether it's the the new upcoming superstar or a Matthews or McDavid-like talent, right? Like, how badly did I want to see? Like, Detroit was the worst team last year. They picked fourth. They were they were basically begging for Lafreniere. They're like, give him to us, please. This dude is going to make an impact. They picked fourth. They didn't even get a chance to get him. So I'm in on these changes. I'm in on the restricted access to only having two picks up for grabs and that you can pick no lower than three. I still think it's crazy. I think if you don't, if you're the last place team and you lose the lottery, you pick second. No lower. Three is still too low for me. 
And yeah, they're still great players. I think Drysaddle was like third or second overall or something like that. Right? Kane was, I think, first overall. Taves was third. Right? Some good players that go three. Pierre-Luc Dubois was three. I don't know. I, I, I don't hate the restriction whatsoever. Because teams that have planned for this, right? You make this game plan, and all of a sudden, right? It's like it, you, you lost the lottery. You literally lost the lottery. You bought over 50% of the tickets. You spent your entire life savings. You should be a shoe-in to have one of your numbers selected. And you drop from first to fourth. Like, I feel for Detroit fans right now. Yeah, they had a 20-something year of... 20-something year run of going to the postseason. But it's been like five years since then. Or at least it feels like it. Like, they've been on a rut for the last three or four. Right? Lafreniere to Detroit made so much sense. I could, like, visualize it, too. I don't know why. But now Lafreniere's on a team that's that's got Panarin and Strom and Bushnevich and... Capocacco, who they just drafted second overall the year prior, and Kreider. And, like, this team's already deep. They didn't need Lafreniere. I mean, good on the Rangers, the fact that they got him. Now they have flexibility to do what they want, but I don't know. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the changes. I'm a fan of the restrictions. We'll see. Uh, 2021 is going to implement some of the rules. See if I can quickly go over it one more time here. So quickly again, the way it's going to work is there is a reduction in lottery eligible picks from three to two. That's going to be implemented for the 2021 draft lottery. So that's this year moving forward. And the other approved changes are restricting teams to a 10 spot jump with the lottery win and limiting clubs to win no more than two lotteries in a five year span. Those will be implemented in 2022 draft lottery and beyond. So let me know what you think of those as well. I'm fine with the restrictions and honestly give some of the, the weaker teams a better opportunity to to build and grow. And where you finish should be where you draft, regardless if you quote-unquote tank or not. Um, you know, it's that team's decision. You know, it's not... I, get, I understand it doesn't make it, it... It makes it them a little bit less watchable, but it makes them more watchable. Like, no one's watching Detroit this year. I bet a lot more people would have watched them if they had Alexis Lafreniere. People are watching the Rangers, but not for Lafreniere. They're watching them for Panarin and Strom, right? And they're the young goaltending and Adam Fox with three points last night. But uh, interesting stuff. Let me know what you think on uh, on the uh, on the forums here as well. Uh, a couple of news and rumors to get to before we end off here. Canucks, uh, they claimed forward Travis Boyd off waivers from the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is the second time they've claimed a player from the Leafs off waivers. Uh, Boyd, 27 years of age, signed a one-year $700,000 deal with the Leafs in October. The other player was Jimmy Vesey. He signed a one-year $900,000 deal. Uh, Travis Boyd, had a six-foot forward, had three goals and eight points in 20 games. So all they need to do now is claim Spezza, I guess, but he threatened to retire. So (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's it's petty, but it's smart. You know, You're, you're letting someone else do all the hard work for you, and when they let go of those players, you quickly scoop them up. Their contracts are already negotiated. You can bring them on. They're great depth forwards. Uh, but some tough news for Vancouver, evidently. I just got sent this from a buddy. So last night, I think Bo Horvat blocked a shot and worries that there's a broken ankle for Bo Horvat as puck catches him below the shin pad on the tongue where there's less padding. Bo Horvat, um, 
He does wear shot blockers on his skates, but if broken, he could be out for 6 to 12 weeks. Best case situation is a contusion day-to-day. Real tough one. Elias Pedersen also day-to-day. Um, just tough luck for the Vancouver Canucks, especially last night, too. They did lose to the uh, to the Winnipeg Jets, and again, they were going on a run, but not having Pedersen or Horvat, your captain, Going to make things real tough for that team moving forward. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes and Dougie Hamilton are putting aside their contract negotiations until the conclusion of the season. He said, we're kind of decided that it would be best for both sides to just wait until the end of the year. That was Don Waddle saying on the the defenseman, just saying, let's sit down and see if we can hammer out a deal, put it on the back burner so Dougie can worry about playing hockey at this point. And Dougie right now, all the leverage, he's on like a 12 or 13 game point streak. It could be even more at this point, but he has been uh, great. Carolina's been winning. He's going to make a lot of money after this year. So, And the uh, Buffalo Sabres, I know, I know, uh, they lose another goaltender, goaltender Carter Hutton, leaving Monday's game against the uh, against New York after a collision with the Rangers forward Julian Gauthier. The Sabres later on ruled Hutton out for the remainder of the contest. Uh, he appeared to injure his leg on the collision, was in visible pain afterwards, and needed help to the dressing room. And uh, just to make matters worse, on route, uh, Buffalo dropping their 14th straight contest i think the nhl records 18 it was set by the pittsburgh penguins um i don't see an upside jack eichel's not there skinner can't score hall can't score your goaltenders hurt man i feel for sabers fans i really do but that that organization is a mess they're talking about trading everybody eichel hall if they can skinner defenseman i think the only guy they might not trade is dalines because he makes league men but man, what a uh, what a rough situation for Buffalo. I don't see an end in sight for them. That's a tough division. Philly, Boston, the Rangers, the Devils and Rangers, the two quote-unquote weaker teams, and they're still beating you. So I don't know. Going to be real tough for Buffalo in the next little bit without Eichel and now without one of your, uh, one of your higher end goaltenders. So we'll see. Uh, that's it for today. I appreciate you following along. I apologize if I went on a couple rants and whatnot. Again, I told you I was in a little bit of a mood today, but nevertheless, uh, I do hope you enjoyed it. Also, let me know what you think. Did I go too harsh? Was I not too harsh? Do you like me being a little bit more out there, more opinionated instead of just being, you know, straight line? Uh, You know, let me know whether it is on the Second Thoughts uh, YouTube channel, Instagram and Twitter, at ST Hockey Podcast. If you would like to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I know you can't really leave a review on Spotify, but uh, but nevertheless, continuous stream along and like I mentioned earlier more articles coming out for the hockey writers if you want to follow along with those as well continue to to post those up on uh, on all the social media pages until then that's it enjoy the rest of the week with a little rain coming here in London Ontario but warmer weather listen I'm all for it it's good for my grass I gotta do a lot of work this year on the uh, on the lawns but uh, until then we'll see you Friday it's a wrap yeah.